What up, guys? Welcome to the Raising Worth podcast. Raising Worth is a family and an organization who advocates for healthy and connected families. We believe connection takes place when we truly understand the value of one another. A major focus of our mission is connecting families with the heart to adopt with the right resources. So you know the drill. We're here to highlight, uncover, and talk about people, places, and things all raising worth in their community. It could feel random at times. We'll have people on the show from all walks of life. It could be from Bitcoin to adoption and anywhere in between. Thank you so much for being here because we know you could be anywhere in the world right now. We got Nick and Whitney on the podcast today. We're really, really pumped. Do you guys want to share? I feel like I've known you for a long time. I feel like I personally feel like we're closer than we probably really are because I always I, I feel the same way. <laughs> <laughs> Especially Whitney. I literally send your Instagram probably weekly. I'm like, oh, you need to follow Whitney. Uh, <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> Nick, I'll start sending yours too. <laughs> no, I don't do anything. Here, so. like you know, I noticed your last post was like 2019. <laughs> it's yeah. it's so much work to me. I just don't yeah. enjoy it. And I think I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'm okay with that too. Yeah. I'll, I'll let her take all of it. It's fine. So you're yeah. Enneagram six, right, Nick? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. As far as I'm seven. aware. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're a seven, Whitney? No, I'm a four. Oh, well, that, my closest friends tell me I'm a four, but I think I might be an eight. She's not. Wait, what does a four go to in health? A four goes to one in health, which I definitely do. Like I definitely go to one in health. Okay. So maybe I'm a four. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I thought I was a four for like two years. And then I saw an Enneagram counselor and then I was like, oh, I'm having an identity crisis. I think I'm every number. Yeah. A three wing four. I like really wing four. Yes. I'm a four heavy. I think heavy wing three. Yeah, I could see that. Okay. Well, why don't you guys tell us a little bit about yourselves for somebody who has just come to the podcast for the first time. Usually when people ask us this question, it's actually really annoying because you have to condense your whole like humanity. With no, them. I think we, I think we have our elevator talk. All right. Okay. I'll, I'll let you, t- well, what's the question first? That can tell us about them ourselves. Okay. You can go first. You can be more concise. Um, I'm Whitney and this is my husband, Nick, and we've been married for over 11 years. Um, we, Nick used to be an airline pilot. I was a wedding photographer. And through that, we started an orphan care advocacy nonprofit called the Archibald Project. And so for the past eight, nine years, we've been, we quit our day jobs, Nick quit being an airline pilot, and we started doing our nonprofit full-time. And it's basically storytelling to advocate for vulnerable children. And through that, we actually met our children and we adopted a sibling group of three from the Republic of Congo in 2018. And that's us. That was pretty good. Thank I you. actually am great. impressed. That Thank was, you. I think, 45 seconds. That was impressive. Nailed it. Wow. <laughs> All right. Are you guys both uh, born and raised in Austin or what? No, I actually grew up in southwestern Michigan. And then I moved all around for college and for my airline career that I had for a bit. And then I ended up in Austin in 2008. And so I've been here since. Which is where you met? You two? Uh, we met cliff jumping. Yeah. Yeah. We met in Austin before I lived here. I had a, a, one of my best friends had moved here and I came to visit him and Whitney was part of his friend group. And so we met through him and then didn't start dating for a couple of years after that. It's, I, I mean, our dating story is my favorite story, but we can take that amazing. for another time. Do you, have yeah, an elevator, do you have an elevator dating version story version? Yeah. <laughs> we met Cliff jumping two years later. He called me out of nowhere, said, Hey, can I take you on a date? I was like, Hey, you live in Chicago. I live in LA. 
play. How's that going to work? He was like, well, I'm a pilot, so I can travel. <laughs> I, to I, didn't, I, did not, I did not say it that way. I can't even remotely. I it that way, but, you know. <laughs> so he flew out to take, I, I had no interest in him at the time, but I was like, a guy wants to she fly did. halfway across America to take me out. Okay, it's a good story. I'm four. So he came awesome. out. We spent all day just hanging around LA together, said bye to him that night, didn't know when I would see him again. And then he spent the whole summer trying to take me out again and pursuing me and planning a bunch of dates. And then a few months later, I finally said yes. I'd moved to San Francisco and he came up. We went to basically we made it to San Francisco together. Um, he tried to kiss me. I rejected his kiss. There's a, there's a lot of stuff in between here. I'm doing my elevator uh, pitch, babe. <laughs> I believe you. Um, and he was, I, he tried to kiss me and I was like, ah, in his face basically. And then I looked at him and I was like, how many girls have you slept with? Cause at that point I thought he was like an airline pilot, you know, girl in every city. Brown. Oh no. Yes, I did. I thought that. And he looked at me and he was like, none. And I was like, Oh, you are the sweetest person in the world. You actually are pursuing just me. Okay. Before Whitney. I know. And then nine months later, we were married. So, you know. You are a brave man. I mean, I would not have been able to take that. Like you you called him out. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Oh, well, after that moment, I had to leave and it was super awkward. It didn't, it didn't get better that quickly. I'll tell you that much. (laughs) But within a couple weeks, it did. So. Like a I love some, there was an awkward car ride to the airport after that moment. I love that. <laughs> you guys are like have such a cool relationship based off that. I love how bold you are, Whitney. And then I also love like you're just able to like roll with anything, it sounds like, you know. He Sometimes a true loyalist. True he's a, yeah, yeah, he's a six, you know. <laughs> yeah. And have you always known like Nick what you wanted? I mean, you became a pilot at age 22. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, I had I had that passion really early in life. So I I took my, my first flying lesson at the age of 13, actually. Oh. And so I did that um from 13 till so through school I would just take a flying lesson every now and then, a couple times a month or something like that. And then I did my first solo at 16 and got my license at 17, which is the youngest you can get it. And then that I knew like, that's what I wanted to do for college. That's what I wanted to do as a career. So that's how I ended up getting that job at 22. And I was doing that. And then uh, we were doing the Archibald project simultaneously with our careers, right? When he was shooting weddings, I was flying. And then that's in 2015 when it kind of came to this point or 2014 when we were like, maybe we should do this full time. And then ended up quitting. Perfectly into the transition. Tell us about the Archibald project. Oh man, so yeah. many things. I mean, like the founding story or what it is, or You're, go ahead. Can we take one step back? Because I oh, think yeah. part of maybe the Archibald project, from what I understand, might have a little bit to do with you, Whitney, and how passionate you are with storytelling, and that you might have had like a career potentially as an actress at one point and all of <laughs> You've that done kind your of, research. Yeah, kind Look of at you. <laughs> Can you tell us a That's little bit about it? So you were 22 when you got a pilot license. I know, I, when you, you said 22, how did you know these things? You guys are amazing. I mean, well, like- Where did I you mean, find it? I didn't even know that was on online. On Instagram, on- <laughs> um, Yeah, I- Oh I my love. goodness, are you a five? 
I'm a yes. total five. I'm a yes. total five. I love um, that five so much. Yeah, that no, wing four. Oh, wing four? Yeah. Oh, okay. But um, no, I just was like, obviously what you guys have done is so inspiring. And so I really wanted to dig into it. And I found oh, out that you. you had like, yeah, a career potentially as an actress and that that, you know, might have a lot to do with uh, you know what when we started the archibald project it had nothing to do with it but isn't that how amazing god is and that he used my past to you know he just he allowed he and i know he doesn't have to but he allowed my passions from my previous life to be a part of the archibald project so it's really sweet um no i actually in 20 i mean the beginning of our marriage we were i was like pretty um, uh, works-based faith. And mm-hmm. I kept thinking, you know, we've got to be missionaries. We've got to be volunteering together. Like what's our mission as a married couple. And it took a couple of years to really work through that together as a couple. And I would say that in 2011, 2011, I felt the Lord asked me to reach out to a person that I used to go to high school with. And so I did. And I asked if I could photograph her two-year-old daughter she said, yes, on the photo shoot, I'm sitting there and I'm like, why am I doing this for free? Like, what's going on, Lord? Why do you want me here? Didn't feel like I heard anything. And then at the very end of the photo shoot, I asked if they were going to have more children. And the mom was like, well, we're actually in the process of adopting. And it was like, boom, I truly felt in my spirit that that's why I was there. And I looked at her and I was like, uh, I think I'm supposed to go to Bulgaria with you and photograph your adoption. She was like, uh, let me talk to my husband. And I was like, oh yeah, let me talk to my husband. (laughs) So that's like the only part that I would say that I, the initial like Bulgaria thing came. And then because of his flight benefits, because he was an airline pilot, we could actually travel together basically for free at the top, like the last minute. Well, and what's funny too, is like, we don't tell this part of the story that often, I think, cause there's so much to tell, but that trip that kind of launched the Archibald project, it that trip to Bulgaria, it almost didn't happen. Cause I couldn't what? get the time off of work that I needed. And so I was going to be coming back from overseas and super tired. And I, I didn't know right. if I was going to be able to go. So it was literally a Saturday morning. We woke up and we had told the family we weren't going. Like, I think his flight left at 3 p.m. from Houston. We were in Austin, Texas. We woke up at 7 a.m. And we were just laying there. And I looked at Nick and I was like, what are you thinking? And he was like, I'm trying to figure out a way to get to Houston. And I, w- I was like, what? Because he was the one that originally was like, we can't do it. But then we were like, this this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. It's in our heads <laughs> it was. And we were like, let's just do it. So we, and we kind of operate that way, kind of last minute. So we yeah. threw caution yeah. to the wind and literally just hopped in the car and drove to Houston and started booking all the flights, like the standby tickets in the car, which we didn't even know if we were going to make all the the flights. Because if there's not an empty seat on the plane, then we're not going. So So that that leads us into, we end up in Bulgaria with the dad documenting the adoption of a little seven-year-old boy with Down syndrome. And it was just really beautiful and hard and tragic. It was just something we'd never really seen. So photograph it, get home, put the pictures on Facebook. A few weeks later, a total stranger reaches out and is like, Hey, I just want to let you know that because of your photos, we found our son and we are now adopting a chronically ill boy from Ukraine. If it hadn't been for your photos, we never would have found him. And that's when we were like, Oh my gosh, we had no idea that storytelling and photos could get kids adopted. And so that was kind of the like, 
light bulb moment of like, this is what we were looking for years ago, but now it's more like authentic and real and spirit led. And it wasn't like works based. It was just like the Lord used our passions of his flight benefits, my storytelling and photography, and then just like married the two in this really beautiful way. And then we spent, honestly, we spent the first few years doing a lot of international adoption documentation. And then we just saw a lot of corruption and heartache and some maybe mistruths around international adoption from the well, West. And, and we were naive to it at yeah, first. We I mean, like naive. when we, when we formed the Archibald project, we were gung ho, like everyone needs to adopt and then all the kids will be taken care of. Totally. But we had no idea how much deeper and more complex that whole thing was. And so as we started documenting more adoptions, we started learning from people who had been doing it for years and they started educating us. And then that's when we started kind of shifting our mission to involve not just adoption, like that's an important piece, but it's still only a band-aid to the larger problem of kids being separated from family or the breakdown of the family or poverty or all these other things that can cause a child to maybe need to be adopted. Mm-hmm. So we started telling stories around all of that. And that's been an evolution that's even still happening today yeah, as we learn more. Gosh, yeah, we uh, touched back. We named the, the Archibald Project after the little Bulgarian boy. His name is Archie, full name Archibald. So that's where the name came from. Oh, that's incredible. So that was like the formative story. Yeah, that's, that's it. And so, um, uh, do you still fly, Nick? Do you still fly planes? I, I don't. I haven't flown an airplane since November of 2014. Um, so crazy, it's crazy. Yeah, it, which it's crazy because I mean I did that for over eight years, four days a week. I was doing six, ten, twelve flights a day or a week. It's crazy to think that. Oh my gosh. Wow. That's like, uh, for me, when I worked at Starbucks in college and then you actually have to pay the actual cost of a Starbucks later. And you're yes. like, <laughs> I can't uh, imagine the macro oh level no, of that yeah. with flights. That's a good <laughs> it's so, this sounds really dumb, but like one of the hardest things about not being a pilot anymore is when I w- go to the airport Yes. And I wouldn't be kind of treated special anymore. Like I couldn't <laughs> right. skip the security line when I'm on yeah. the plane you know, if you tell the crew that you're a pilot, they'll bring you free drinks, yeah, really no, give you a better no. seat sometimes. And now I'm just an average passenger. Yeah. But he yeah. still makes us dress nice but I'm to like, fly. I'm like, come on, we're in my sweatpants. And he's like, we will dress nice. You dress nice. I love, I love it. That's amazing. That's awesome. Okay, well, tell us about your guys' kids. Tell us about the process. You obviously had been in within the orphan crisis for a long time. And then... Um, you know, obviously adoption was on your heart to an extent because you wanted to serve the purpose, but tell us that story of how it unfolded. I mean, it's, it's funny because it almost kind of reflects the way the Archibald project was formed in a way where we were on different pages. Like Whitney was saying she wanted to be a missionary. And I was like, I don't feel the need for that. And we fought about that and struggled. And I think the same started with adoption. She was like, I want to adopt someday. And I'm like, I don't, I don't feel pressured to, I don't need to adopt to be a good person or whatever. And so <laughs> well, there's a guilt, there's a, a guilt around it. that. No, I know. Like, like if you're not, like you're a bad person, if you're not willing to do that. And I was totally. like, no, that's not true. Yes. And so we and went back and forth on that and years. I mean, we struggled with infertility. I feel funny saying infertility because we've never done any like medical 
I know interventions, yeah, yeah. but we've never had children right. um, biologically. And so that was hard because you, you, I, as a mom or a woman had this deep internal desire to be a mom. And then we were going all around the world, working with children who wanted mothers. Right. And, and I, I don't think until recently I realized the like toll that took on my heart and my emotions. And so I brought up the conversation often of like, well, Hey, we're not getting pregnant. So can we just, can we please just adopt? And he yeah. was always like, well, it's not time. It yeah. just didn't feel right yet to me. Yeah. And that sometimes there was peace with each other in that conversation. And yeah. a lot of times there wasn't. And I really felt called to see out this thing that we had started as the yeah. Archibald project. And like, I saw how having kids would really change that. And we weren't ready for that yet necessarily. And so we continued pursuing that and fighting and not fighting. <laughs> and then uh, I think it was actually in 2015 on a Archibald project trip, we met our kids for the first time on a trip to Congo where we were working, but we had no clue. Like we still weren't in the space where we were ready to adopt or anything like okay. that. And so we my left time. there, moved on. What? All my pictures on my phone though, from that trip were of our kids. Like I didn't like take pictures of any other kids. I was like, yeah. Oh my gosh, these kids are so sweet. And so you so kind of cute. felt it. Oh yeah. I mean, everywhere I went, I was like, Oh my gosh, I want to be your mom, you know, like in an unhealthy way. That's not like good. And I didn't always act on that. And I wasn't always like, you know, doing inappropriate things by like picking up babies and things like that. But my heart was like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, so we left from there, continued on. And, um, I think it was then in 2017, we got asked to go back to that, that place that we had worked at before that baby's home. And they told us during that conversation about a sibling set of three that was getting older and really needed a family. They said, hey, pray for these three. And we were like, oh, yeah. And I remembered and I looked at my pictures on my phone. I was just like, oh, I pray. I think about them often because I did. Like they popped, the kids from all over the world pop into my head throughout the day. And I had always said to Whitney, I was like, when... When it's time to adopt, when it's the right time, I think we're just going to know. And she's like, no one's just going to ask us to adopt some kids. Like, we're going to have to like make that yeah, was choice. Like, adoption is a pro-choice. Like, you proactively choose right. to start the adoption process. Agencies yeah. don't come to you and say, please, will you join our agency? And people don't just say, here, have my baby. And if they do, then, you know, there's a lot more, like, things to go through. A lot of red flags. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there can be, for sure. Eventually. And so we got this email and it was like, Hey, can you come back and do some documentary work? And Hey, will you be praying for this sibling group of three? Yeah. And we said, no, we were like, uh, we actually were really busy. We don't have the finances to come. Mm-hmm. Like we'll be praying for the kiddos. Like we think about them often. And then it just turned into this conversation where we were sitting on our couch and we both looked at each other and we're like, should like our, wait us, like, should we actually be their parents? Like, I, I, we, I feel like maybe we both had this thought of like, why should we be praying for somebody else to be their parents? Mm-hmm. When we've been wanting children, we have the space. I mean, really. <laughs> well, and, and I think people have lots of different stories with how they come to the place where they're going to adopt. And I think all of them are great and unique and but for us I don't think it at least for me I can't say specifically for you that 
it wasn't this overwhelming feeling of like, these are, these are my kids suddenly like the light bulb clicked. It was more like, Hey, we, we could do this potentially. Like we have room, we have, we don't have children and there's a need to be met. Should we meet that need? And through more fighting and it sounds like we fight all the time. We're passionate people. <laughs> yeah. We hopefully fight. We don't like scream and yell, but we just communicate our feelings. Well, and if Whitney we don't was hold ready anything back ever. Whitney was ready to adopt them after like two weeks. And I was like, hold on, this is a huge decision. It's true. I was uh, like, let's do it. I need more time. I need like a year to think about this. And she's like, that's insane. And yeah. I mean, that so is we found, insane. well, yeah, <laughs> it, we found the happy medium and it kind of just came down to this idea that like I said, we could meet this need and all the reasons that at least for me personally, I had for saying no, which were fears, which some of them were legitimate. Like they had merit to them, but I didn't want to look back and think I didn't do this because I was too afraid. And so we made that choice and then we made that commitment and that started us down that road. So we went on that trip in 2017 and we had a bonding. We met them and with them and then and then because the, the Congo at the time was not Hague, we actually went, spent a week hanging out with them, came home, did all the adoption paperwork on America's side, and then nine months later moved to Congo. We were there for eight months, seven months, I don't know, felt like a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we came home December 2018 as a family of five. So uh, one of the, I think one of the second fears we talk about on our PDF is when one spouse is on board and the other isn't quite there. And that's, your story is very similar to ours as well, because it took a lot longer. I was the same way, Whitney, where I was like, every child, you know, obviously you don't necessarily Mm -hmm. mean that you want 12,000 children in your home, but (laughs) kind of like, I'm totally on your same wavelength. And Zach, it took a hot second for him to get on board. And so Nick, for you specifically- and mm-hmm. I feel like often I'm not going to always assume it's the husband or the male um, that necessarily. How dare you? <laughs> but most of the DMs and what you probably get these too, they're always like, I really want to, but my husband just isn't quite there. So Nick, as a husband, yeah. what would you say, especially, it's not like you guys said yes to one, you said yes to three and not only that, but they're older children. So you have yeah. kind of this, so many different stigmas, right. That you're going to have to already overcome. So Nick, can you speak into that a little bit? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's a hard question because I know myself and I know what I needed in that moment, but I know that other men out there, other husbands are going to need different things. Like I needed time and space to process, to think, to sit with the idea, gather my thoughts. I think other guys sometimes just need a kick in the butt, like, Hey, you need to get on board and others uh, maybe don't need any of that. I don't know. I just think it's important to know your spouse and not pressure, but healthily try to pursue it together. Like make small steps. Don't try to, don't try to go all in all at once. Like there was a nine, there was like a nine week period from the moment that we got the email to getting on the plane to going to hang out with our kids and that nine weeks was so hard because the last thing I wanted was to for him to say yes because he was pressured Mm. from me and then later down the road he would resent me so I brought it up 
I brought it up, but I, and we fought for sure because it was so, I mean, eight years at that point of wanting kids. And then there's like three children (laughs) that are right there. And so it was a, it was a really raw place to be for nine weeks. But something that I really admire about Nick and the way he handled it was he didn't, and correct me if I'm wrong, but we've talked about this since, so I don't think I am. He truly saw it on his own what he should do as like the leader of our house and the dad to maybe children. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like in the best that I could, I respected that space that he needed. And he went out a few times and like by himself, like camp, not camping, but went to a friend's like country home and just like got away and prayed and fasted and sought counsel. And he invited me out one night after he'd done that. He'd been gone for like a night or two. And he came to me and he was like, Hey, I was journaling. Am I allowed to share this? I don't know what you're going to, I don't know what you're going to (laughs) say. Um, he was journaling and he goes, Hey, I just want to let you know that I'm a yes. And I came to that by myself. I came to that, not by myself, but like I came to that without your persuasion. And I believe that the Lord told me that he's going to bless us if we adopt them, but he's also going to bless us if we don't, Mm -hmm. because it's not about what we do. It's about that. God just loves us regardless. So good. And, and I came to that on my own without you. And so I'm in, but this is really heavy and this is a big deal. And I'm not in a place of like celebratory. Oh my gosh, we're adopting. Let's announce it to the world. It was just this like, this is real. And we're, like you said, three children at once, older kids. This is just a very heavy start to our family. And I was like, okay, okay. (laughs) I kind of, and again, back to your question a little bit. I just think that from what I know now, I think whether you're the husband or the wife or whoever you are, I think you need to, both parties need to evaluate why they, maybe the, if it's the husband stereotypically, why they should consider it, but the wife also should evaluate are the reasons why I shouldn't do this. Like think about your, your motives. Cause right. it's easy to see adoption as this, you're like rescuing this child, but you're not, you're not really rescuing a child. You're, you're signing up to be there for them, to give them a chance to help them heal. Like right. what happened to them is tragic and it was brokenness and you're, you're saying, I'm going to step in and like take on your pain with you. I'm not rescuing you. Like we're going to go through this together. I'm entering your pain. Like me doing this is not this amazing blessing that you're getting. It's that you had something tragic happen in your life and I'm going to do the best I can to help heal, help you heal from that. And I think that can be a very different mindset than a lot of us go into adoption in the first place. Right. So yeah, I mean, I love the way that you went about it, um, Nick. That's in- incredible. And I love how much reverence you put towards it. And I, I kind of hear both of you saying, like, you know, it's, it's probably important that there's a little more reverence put towards adoption, the adoption process just in general. And um, I wanted to ask you a quick question, Nick. When you were, um, you know, going away and thinking, you know, and you were trying to just collect mm-hmm. your thoughts towards this, it, it sounds like it was important for you that, 
you know, that, that nobody else or nothing else was kind of influencing you guys to do this, you know, based on their motives or like, you know, what you should do. Right. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Can you, can you go into that uh, a little bit and, um, you know, uh, just explain a little bit more? Yeah. I felt like, um, and I still don't know if this was the best thing or not, but like, I actually kind of offended my family a little because I didn't ask for their advice on this because they're, they're also, they're my parents. And I mean, I think they would have been well aware of some of the difficulties that we would be signing up for with three kids at once. And so I didn't want to be swayed by them telling me how hard it was going to be. I, so I, I sought the advice of other people who had been through it already. And I feel like that's where the main source of wisdom came from. And I felt like those people were honest with me and they didn't steer away from difficulties, but they also didn't steer away from the beauty of healing that's possible. So mm -hmm. that's really, really good. I love that you even said earlier how you weren't going to allow, like you didn't need to prove to anyone that this is what made you a good person. Cause I could imagine the narrative within your guys' minds. Oh, we're the CEOs of the Archibald project. Our entire lives is centered around adoption. We probably should do this. Like this makes the most. Totally. Sense. I felt that for sure. Yeah. So not feeling that pressure or that guilt or that like, okay, the whole world's expecting this at this point. So we have to do this and actually saying, yeah. no, we're going to do this because we're choosing to, because it's our family living on mission. And, you know, that's crazy. Okay. Well, okay. So you both run a full-time <laughs> nonprofit and you get on an airplane and go to the Congo. Um, the next kind of fear I want to touch on, and you, you have a bunch of stuff too. So this will be one of my last questions because I know you want to give stuff. Um, the financial terrifying financial mountain of adoption expenses. You guys are the same as us working in the nonprofit world, but that's the number one reason people don't adopt, right? Are mm -hmm. the finances. So explain to us your guys' perspective and your mindset approaching that, adopting a family, you know, sibling set of three. How'd you go about that? I mean, we, we fundraised and we fundraised 100% of our adoption. And I think that this fear, and I agree with you, I've seen this, it is a, a really big fear in people. But to me, this is one of the biggest false fears about adoption. Because if you, I mean, I can't say 100% of the time it's like this, but I've seen so many people that if they, if their friends, their family, any community that they have hears that they're adopting, people are so willing to help. Yeah. back and support them and there's grants out there there's adoption funds yep. there's so many things that people if you just google how to raise money for adoption there's so many i mean the archwell project we put out website like advice on how to fundraise um there's just so many organizations out there that their whole mission is helping families raise money right. for adoption right and i kind of feel like we I kind of feel like we have a little bit of a different case and in that we already raised money for a living and we were running the Archibald project that, and, and people knew like our struggle to have kids. And so I just, and all of our kids were on baby number three or four. And so I think when we finally came to the table and said, Hey guys, we're adopting 
three children, everybody was just like, oh my gosh, we want to help you. And it was just beautiful. It was, it was insane. Y'all, we had one car and it was a very, like a sedan, like a small car. And somebody gave us a minivan. Like they bought us a minivan. We were just like, what? We had a, a thousand square foot home and some friends came down, some people donated money and they helped us flip our garage to turn it into like a guest room, extra room, playroom, so they could have somewhere to put their toys. Like, it's just insane what people are willing to do to help people they love. And so I I think that, yeah, I just, yeah. you'll never know like how many people actually want to support you and are there to support you until you start the process. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's just pretend someone comes to Whitney and they're like, easy for you to say, Whitney, you started the Archibald project. (laughs) You have 30 K followers. You have, you have this beautifully like beautiful story of unfolding. I have 12 followers and I just have a heart to adopt. What would you say to someone Mm -hmm. that says, I don't have the money for this. What do you say to them? I would say, well, can I just say first, I mean, I think that's very legitimate if yeah. someone feels that way. That's not, yeah. Un, yeah. that's not an, that's not unfair for someone yeah. to think or feel that way. Yeah. Cause I but, actually have had a friend say that. <laughs> she yeah. was like, I would love to adopt, but I, there's no way we could because we don't have your following or whatnot. Sure. Um, and I'm, I would say, um, I don't know, kind of what I said that there's like adoption funding there's adoption grants there's other things that they can do and also there's really creative ways you can have like garage sales you could you guys sold your couch (laughs) you know what I mean like there's things you could do to get rid of an add-on and yeah I would I would just say that there's just a lot of creative ways out there to do fundraising well and, and really the more important question in that moment is like should I adopt like, does this child need to be adopted? Uh, is there another place that I could put my money that would help them stay in their family? Mm-hmm. Though I feel like those are the initial questions. And if you still arrive at adoption, I mean, well, the the worst, or I guess that you can just try, right? Like you can right. see if you can raise this money or, or whatever, and see what happens. And there could be either confirmation that this is right for you and your family and this child or confirmation that it's not, if it's just not. I forgot about that. Do you remember we did that? We said that. I don't. We were like, Hey, there's all these reasons why we shouldn't adopt financially and like the one car and we raise our money for our salaries and all the things. So like, we're going to say yes, but, but if, if we can't do it, then it wasn't, I mean, not wasn't meant to be like, oh, we'll just give up super easy, but we were just like, okay, let's just like take one step at a time towards this. And then that's when like things just kind of got crazy. You remember that? Yeah, I do know. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Good answer. All right. (laughs) Okay. Um, Okay. So tell us kind of now that on the other side of adoption, you went to Congo, which was probably such a special season for you guys. I know for us, Liberia, that was a very um, deepening. That's like such a foundational season as a family. But now on the other side, your home, you've been, you guys have been a family for what, four or five years? Two and, and a half. half. Oh. <laughs> you when you came back, right? Oh yeah, in 2020. Wow. Wow. Pregnancy brain. So tell us what you feel like you've come to learn the most. Like what have been kind of those key, like, 
I wish I knew this when you first started. Mm-hmm. Man. That's, like that's I remember watching question. your stories when you were in Congo and making the pies. Whitney, remember oh, you were like ten o'clock. <laughs> like, yes, like there are all these different experiences where you probably and I remember you saying like, "Oh, I lost my cool." Like you saw me making oh pies, gosh. but what you didn't see was me losing my like you know to yes. everything on my kids. <laughs> yes, so that's I. I mean, we. I would say we actually we kind of talked about this yesterday a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I have two, I think I have two answers for that. Um, when we adopted, we removed ourselves from our entire community and everybody we knew. We went to their country. We did not speak French. Nick was learning French. Uh, we didn't have a way to get around, you know, just like every, like going to the grocery store, cooking a meal, cleaning, like every single detail of life was just harder because we were not from that country and we weren't used to it. And we didn't have community. We didn't have friends saying like, Hey, I'll help you. Or I can do X, Y, or Z for you. Or I'm here for you to cry with, or I'm here with you to celebrate. Like we didn't have anything. And so I think that was really, really hard to not have community and then to not know how to like get respite in that season, we were exhausted. Like physically, I mean, we've got three kids. They, none of them were sleeping. And so they would all be up at different times of the night. And so there were not sleeping. So we literally, I, I, I really feel like we didn't sleep much for seven months while we were there. And so you're already now like sleep is a huge thing to help your stress levels. Like it, yeah. it sleep is so important. And that's yeah. why like in like terror camp, where was the camp where they like, Terror camp? Yeah, terror camp. What is terror camp? (laughs) What camp did you go to growing up? Not terror camp, but like, like when they are holding hostages. Yeah. Like a hostage. Like like the way they terrorize hostages. I was totally following. You were. Is they don't let you sleep. They don't let you sleep. Because it messes with your brain so much. And so. That puts you in survival mode. Yes. And so I I look back and I am so sad for our kids that they came into our family in that way because I feel like we were not the best parents for them. Yeah. Like we were exhausted. We were alone. We were scared a lot of times because we didn't know how to help them. Like we were not in a place to psychologically help these children who needed help. And so I would, I look, I would tell anybody right now, just like get a solid group around you. If you don't have community right now, then don't adopt right now. Don't do foster care right now. Get community and then you should adopt or then you can foster, but you can't do it alone. And Mm -hmm. then also just like have so much grace for yourself. There's so many resources out there for attachment bonding and uh, like parenting children of trauma. And so we were in Congo, like trying to read everything we could about how to like help these children. And we just felt so overwhelmed. We're like, we can't do it all. We cannot, we, I'm not going to remember to do, to respond to this way when there is a physical reaction happening right right in front of me. Like, how am I going to do that? And two and a half years later, I'm just like, okay, now I'm starting to remember to respond to the way that the trauma based parenting teaches you. And that's, and that's so the journey with this, like, no matter how much you prepare, you're never going to get it all right at the beginning. 
um, you just have to keep but two trying and a half years were perfect. Up. Oh, completely. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So, really so tell us a little bit about that. I mean, that is obviously one of, you know, everybody's greatest fears when it comes to adopting. And, you know, let's say someone does adopt and they start, you know, running into behavioral issues. Um, how did you guys navigate that? I mean, obviously, you guys are navigating this on an island, like you just described, kind of by yourselves. What are some ways like uh, that you navigate it? And, and what's some advice you would give somebody um, on how to navigate that? Hmm. It's a good question. I don't, I don't feel like we navigated it well, no, when we were over there. And because what's going to naturally happen is you I mean, I guess depending where you come from, but right. even if you have kids already, right. you kind of have your your routine, your normal things are established and you sort of, you introduce, and I'm not saying it's the child's fault, but anytime you introduce something new in your life, even if it's a new job or whatever, like you kind of lose control for a moment. And so you're going to be grasping for control. And, the illusion of control. Yeah. And I just think that, if you can kind of mentally prepare to just not have certain expectations is really helpful. Just, just be ready for anything to come and try to bring yourself to be at peace at if some really hard stuff happens and really good stuff. And yeah. Yeah. Um, like Whitney said, surrounding yourself with other people, getting breaks is really important. I just think that, I've seen over and over with so many adoptions, including our own, is how much expectations can affect your journey once you're into it. That's good. Oh, yeah. So having those aligned by talking to people who have been through it that can paint that picture, because it's going to be hard at some point. I feel like yeah. sometimes we want to think that it's just going to be this easy road or people think it's going to be hard. And then they're like, wow, it's harder than I thought it was going to be. But so often when, when I talk to people that have made it through that, they're like, I'm so glad I pushed through that hard and we're better yeah. people now for it. Our kids are more whole. They're, they're becoming people that they were meant to be. And like yeah. they, and even though they went through such a hard time, people are like, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I wouldn't change it. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. You kind of forget all that pain. Oh, I, yeah. I you're on the other side. So rejected by a two-year-old. I'm yeah. like, oh my gosh, I can't yeah. believe how hurt yeah. as if she's intentionally trying to do yeah. this. To me. I'm like, this is so hurtful. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and to the expectations, I remember like audibly hearing Holy Spirit just speak to me and say, do not expect them, these children to look at you as their father yet. Like they don't, mm. they don't even know you. They yeah. never met you. And it was kind yeah. of like yeah. a sobering moment and it hurt. Like it yeah. hurt my feelings. I'm like, I just flew <laughs> the other side of the world. I've like I really want to be months. with them. I've known about yeah. them for months and praying about them. <laughs> yeah. But you know, kind of, I had to step back and, and Nick, like you said, it's, it's about um, not only you, but it's about the children, you know, and if not, maybe more about 100% the about the kids, through, right. And what they're going yeah. through. And you kind of have to take it back. But I found um, it. A, I found a way to make it about me somehow. Oh, for sure, we all do. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the biggest thing. Is like, there. I would like, if somebody is going to adopt, I would say you have to learn about like attachment and yeah. trust based care, right? And then you have to just completely let go of any expectation you have to fill a need in yourself. 
and renounce those thoughts when they come up, like confess them. And then realize too, that feelings come and go your feelings. They, they lie to you. They, they bring you joy sometimes. Right. But like feelings come and go. And we look to this, I I think even first time parents or somebody who's battled infertility might be looking at adoption and thinking that they're going to have this amazing connection and love story, like, Oh yeah. Fairies and all these things. And it's like, we learned very quickly that love means commitment and like you are committed and you, you were telling these children, we are not leaving you. We will never leave you. And we won't because that's a commitment and that is love in this moment. And so I feel like, man, it's just, it's so hard. And you get to the point where we were just like crying and, you know, did we ruin their lives? Like, what what did we do? And yeah. you just have to remember, like, this is a commitment. You're here, yeah. like, we're here. And, and just if any other, like, our kids listen to this someday or other kids who are adopted right. hear things like this, when we talk about how hard it is, it's not because of anything that was their fault right. or yeah. anybody's fault. It's just yeah. this, like, becoming a new family is difficult. Healing is painful. Like, yeah. and these working children- through stuff, like they were working through issues and we also were like, we were working through issues that we had and they were helping refine and change and develop in us. And so there's no, right. The difficulties that are described, there's no one to blame. So I just want to make sure that that's clear. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you clearing that up. I mean, it's just relational friction, right? Mm -hmm. Like you guys were describing, you guys fight off. I mean, we fight often way not often. in a way that's fist fighting <laughs> or yelling but it's like there's friction there's always friction yeah. in relationship. but i think that's yeah. honestly probably my favorite part about family family yeah. oh my gosh it's mm-hmm. like it's messy you know like pat benatar said the famous philosopher love is a battlefield <laughs> right yes <laughs> i mean it so is tacky. you know it is very but you know it's a, it, it's it really is a battlefield you know yeah. it's like yeah, it's but we are strong, you know. Exactly. <laughs> right? And together we overcome. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, relational friction. I mean, it is just a reality of life. And I think that it gets exposed big time in the adoption process, you know. Yeah, definitely um, does. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. So to wrap it up, I want to ask you both one thing. Oh, I feel I, like we're just getting I know, started. <laughs> We can do version two. Part two. Can we do part two? Yeah. Let's just hang out in real life. I definitely want to come see you guys in Austin for sure. Please come. Yeah, we can do this in person. I would rather. Perfect. That's the same. Well, okay. So you both will hopefully you'll both have different answers. But what have you found through uh, becoming a family? is the number one most annoying thing. I've never asked anyone this, but I feel like you guys will have a <laughs> The most annoying thing that somebody assumes about you guys, for example, this probably isn't it, but they assume, oh, you're for sure infertile if you're going to adopt. Or, oh, right, right. Oh, um, you know, like we get all the time, all the time, all the time. Oh, those kids are so lucky to have you. Mm. I'm always like, oh my gosh, no, we like, we're literally, like, I'm like, I'm so you know, lucky. You have these things that every adopted family gets these comments. So, what would you guys mm-hmm. say is the most annoying one that you guys get? Well, I kind of feel selfish because mine's more about my parenting style, not like we don't really, honestly, I, I will be totally honest. 
I think I could count on my hand the amount of times somebody has said something in public about they really? must be lucky or mm. yeah, absolutely. Wow. I think one man, oh, just it's, I've just had some like angry comments of like, <laughs> why are they with you? Or, and I completely understand. And I'm like, Oh, if we could just sit down and talk and have a conversation. Um, but yeah, that really hasn't happened much, which yeah. I'm really thankful for. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, but I think one of the, the most annoying things is, is when people don't understand trauma, including myself, like I don't understand trauma and I did not understand it going into adoption. Um, you, we parent differently and you have to, and you have to respond differently than yep. traditional parenting styles. And so I think some of the like most frustrating times is when we are handling a situation and onlookers are just kind of like, why, why can't you just do this? Like, why can't you just, and I'm like, no, 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 it's oh man, you yeah. have no idea. Like that would hurt them more or, you know what I mean? Like, and you're not going to sit there and explain trauma or no. building trust and attachment and bonding. Yeah. And so it's just Even with friends when you're hanging out and you have to, there, it's a whole. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So that's my and more okay. annoying thing. All right. What about I would Nick? say for me, it's I wouldn't call it annoying. It's just hard sometimes to hear people say, "Oh, that's just kids," and they are just kids a lot of times. But there's also a really, you know, to have experienced the pro- the trauma of losing that connection with your biological parent and the the things that go along with that. It's so hard to tell sometimes what is just kids and what is you know something deeper in trauma and and i know people don't i don't hold it against anyone they mean well and i think they're just trying to actually offer relief like oh don't don't worry too much about that the my kids do that too and they're trying to relate so i think it's totally good-hearted but sometimes deep down i'm just like oh it's but there's a lot here that you don't get and it it isn't it isn't the same right and yeah. I really want you to know that it's not, but yep. it's not necessarily helpful yep. for me to tell you that right now. Yeah, yeah for absolutely. Sure. I feel bad. I feel like we both picked things that affect us. <laughs> I thought that was the question. I don't even know yours. No, that's, yeah, that's definitely the question. Yeah. It was like okay. from your perspective. Yeah. Like, okay, what, okay. Because you guys are the parents and you guys are fielding all of the interesting questions or getting those looks, right? Yeah. Our next episode um, will be only things not to say to adoptive families. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, and I think, and I think that is an important question and I, and the answers to those are said in a spirit of like, I think for the most part, people mean well, and they're not sure. out to like say something mean yeah. or, hundred percent. you know, close. They just don't know. Yeah. And so yeah. And, and most people, when they know they're like, Oh, I'm really sorry. Or I didn't fully understand that. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. It's just educating on how to right ask those questions and yeah yeah yeah. yeah. Which there's thing? so many different things to know about these days oh, and be sensitive oh to. Yeah, it's absolutely. it's hard. It is very For hard. Sure. It's difficult to navigate. For sure. But, okay. Uh, Do you have yours? What what what? My mine. We've had we've had several people ask us like, and it just like it hurts my ears when they ask. But they're like, where did you get them from? Oh yeah, we get that a lot. And oh, I'm like, oh, I'm like. 
Yeah. They're right here. And <laughs> that's the way you're wording that sounds so bad. Yeah. yeah. So I have, I mean, we've been really open with our children on, you know, their adoption story and what country they come story. from, you know, what continent they, you know, were, were on when they were born. Like they, they know everything, right? Yes. They know where they live now and what city we're in. And so sometimes when someone will ask that, I'll look at our oldest Bernie and I'll say, Hey, you want to answer that? And uh, <laughs> most of the times she will. And it's funny because this lady at the, at the farmer's market asked, and I think, I think I've told the story a million times. I probably told it on the last one. <laughs> but she looks at her and I said, well, you can ask my daughter if you like. And, and uh, she goes, so, so where are you from? And Bertie looks up at her and goes, Boise, Idaho. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome because you know, that's, that's where she's from but you know yeah. she was born in sure. in liberia she grew up yeah. here so my, that's my least favorite question is that that's like a good makes sense i have a, okay maybe i can edit mine mine's along that my okay. in front of my children people say when did you get them oh yeah we get that a lot yeah. and i'm like yeah. they're not like yeah. dogs they're not pizza right. they're not something i got they are human right. beings right. and so i always respond well we became a family yes. in yes. may of 2018 yeah. and yeah. so i'm just like please don't say that it just I sounds know, so exactly. derogatory like nick said the spirit of their heart is so like oh i just yes. am so intrigued and i and i love what i'm seeing so tell me more about the story but they don't understand the the tone yeah. that it passed in. yeah totally yeah, yeah. Okay, well, thank you guys so much for Seriously. your time. Yeah, yeah thank of course. you. We're really honored. We love what you guys are doing. Seriously. It's good to see you. Really, really going to be very helpful for so many well, people. Tell yeah. us where people can find both of you guys on social media and those things. You can find us both on Whitney's account because you're not going to find much <laughs> on mine. That's true. Yes, I love it. <laughs> That's true. I'm just Whit Runyon on Instagram, and Nick and I are the Archibald project. I mean, we have a little team here. Um, yeah, the archibaldproject.com. We have a podcast around the world with the Archibald project where we have a lot of adoption questions and foster care questions, um, or help. I mean, not questions. But yeah. Perfect. Okay. Is there anything that is going on in the Archibald project upcoming that you guys want to talk about or announce? Yeah. Well, when's this coming out? Um, two weeks in two weeks yep. okay so if you guys want to win an apple watch Ooh. you should come over to the archibald projects instagram okay let's go. how you can win one okay let's go go to it's the not archibald. like a drawing like literally you have a chance you just have to do the contest and then you can okay. win an apple watch that's awesome let's go yeah yeah we're there. also we're also working on our website right now uh to try to after people are inspired by a story, trying to really connect them with ways to get involved resources. after that and resources. Awesome. And then we have a, another big project that we're working on that I can't talk about the details yet, but it's going to be good. We'll, uh, good. we'll let you, you know when. Give us rough dates to look out for that. That's uh, not until May. Hopefully in the spring. Yeah. It's a little bit down the road, but okay. we'll we'll probably start talking about it before then once things get rolling. But yeah. All of our all of our content in November though, because November is National Adoption Awareness Month. Right. All of our content on our blog and podcast are interviews with adult adoptees giving their story and oh, advice yeah. on like what helped exactly. them the most from their parents and then right. what maybe like wounded them or hurt them. So if they're adoptive parents listening. 
uh, those are really great resources that I've been learning a lot from as an I'd say I'll be parent. tuning in. Oh, and we'll be yeah. <laughs> been super helpful. Yeah. We learn so much just from talking to people oh, on our no. podcast. Yeah. It's so helpful. I learned so, so much from the people you guys talk to. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> Including you. No. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> my own episode I learned. <laughs> no, seriously, the, the quality of, of, um, just ammo that you guys have yeah. behind your people. Yeah. Every time I listen, I'm like, dang. Oh, thank I you. Learned a lot. Yeah. yeah. So you guys, thank you yeah, for seriously. all you're doing. Yeah, I, I definitely want to honor you guys and say thank you guys for just literally doing everything excellent. Like it just comes through in the way that you guys talk and the way that your guys' content yeah. is put out. You guys so think through so much and you don't just, you know, kind of throw it out there. So well done. So yeah. thank you guys. Yeah. yeah for just I appreciate that. You. Thank you. That means a lot. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to stop recording. Stop.